Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Tired of that same old, same old breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Same old tasting scrambled eggs, burger, that dinner steak, ribs, or pork chops. Why not add a little bit of spice or just a touch of heat to make the difference? Change that scrambled egg with a little bit of Johnny Fabulous's John Cena Sr.'s Million Dollar Jalapeno Hot Sauce. Great on burgers, steaks, chops, and those barbecued ribs. Luzi energy drink. Yeah, it's that good. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the episode four of T-O-Double-D, Todd Sinofante presents stunts in film, stunts in acting, and stunts in everything else. So this episode, we're going to talk about acting as far as cube times, call sheets, um, you know, uh, Todd's going to explain to you what a call sheet is and how important it is for an actor to know what the call sheet reads and how to receive their call sheets. This preparation meets opportunity. And if you miss out on the opportunity, you're going to miss out on the preparation. So without further ado, I turn it over to Todd Sinofante. What is up? So yeah, call sheets are pretty much the cream of the crop. A call sheet is something that lists everything that you're going to do, what scenes, what to bring, what cast members are on for that day. And usually uh, tells you the location, the call time, the crew time. Uh, some of the times are different. Some people get there earlier, and then some of the you know actors, actresses, you know, have a later call time. But I have this call sheet from. It's from Universal Soldier: The Return. Again, another memorabilia thing uh, I'm going to bring up, and I had it laminated. So 
when we first uh, started the movie, this was the movie that I was brought on at the end. Uh, the story I was telling you when I first moved to California in 99, I was staying with my buddy and I, I borrowed his car to go over to the mall. And again, I was, I was at the mall at, at the uh, Sharper Image getting a massage. Little girl walks in, hey, Jean-Claude Van Damme is out there. So I went out there and there he was in the middle of the mall with his wife and kids. And uh, I said, hey, Jean-Claude. He goes, hey, Tati. He goes, I'm gonna need you. Come with me to, to Texas to finish up Universal Soldier of the Return, get all the information. So I was like, cool. So, uh, so that was the, uh, with Goldberg um, and Michael J. White. So in the beginning, the, uh, the name of the film was called Universal Soldier 2. Initially, that was what the name of it, and then they changed it to Universal Soldier Return. But this is a call sheet, and I had it laminated, again, for memory purposes. And what the call sheet is, you know, it's got the name of the film. Um, it's got the producer's name, the director's name, uh, the episode, okay, Universal Soldier Return. It says, you know, shoot day, shoot day two of three. Now, these can range from when you first start a film, it'll say shoot day one of 50. But this was the one where I was brought on uh, towards the end of the film. And then it lists the, uh, the set. Uh, this is actually what, what's going to happen. It's an indoor cold room set, Luke and Seth battle. That's the very end of the film uh, where the fight scene takes place. And then it usually tells you the scenes, the cast. The cast are numbered, uh, so it's, it's really easy when you look down in the cast. If you see your number, that means you're working that day. And then, you know, it'll give you the pages. You know, uh, one page uh, we did that day, and the locations. And we went to the NPS Studios, and it gives you the address. And then down in the middle, it actually has the cast members. Yeah, it's got Van Dan, Michael J. White, uh, Double, my name, and, and the rest of the guys working that day. And then on the bottom, it'll have the atmosphere and stand-ins. So when the actors have stand-ins, they'll list the stand-ins on there. And uh, yeah, atmosphere as follows. So on the bottom, it has advanced schedule. So you know exactly, you know, next day. Sometimes I have two days in advance. So usually on the bottom, uh, they'll have the advance schedule. After this day we shoot, you go down here and you read, okay, we're gonna go there again. So that's the advance schedule. And of course on the bottom, it's got all the, uh, you know, uh, emergency contacts in case something happens. You know, that's the numbers of call. On the back, it, it'll list all of the departments, which again is cool because, you know, it, it brings back memories, you know, Oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember work with him. I got to look him up, see how he's doing. So it lists from uh, the uh, electrical guys, um, the makeup, the wardrobe, uh, the art department, uh, the construction, the gaffers, electrical department, the stunt department, uh, the sound, um, the property master. You know, the prop, prop guys are the ones that actually have, like, you know, the, 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 the guns or like, you know, if you need like a baseball bat or, you know, a lot of uh, just in general, the whole set, they're, they're, they're responsible for creating the set. Um, and then additional requirements, 
Okay, for props, you know, the, the rubber gun, we use a rubber gun. And then the the grip, electrical, okay, we're gonna need two cameras. We're gonna, we need some dirt, you know, and we dust. Uh, and then the production, uh, they need seven walkie-talkies on the set. So for me, this is, um, and it says, okay, the crew call, you see on top, the crew call is 12 p.m. Uh, that means, you know, that that's, that's what time the crew call is. And then the shooting call, I'm not sure if you can see it, but the shooting call is at 1.30. So you like to try to get everybody, you know, on the set uh, by 12, so you can have your breakfast, if it's a nice shoot, you know, whatever they're serving. And then by 1.30, everybody's gotta be ready. Everybody's gotta be in their wardrobe, their hair and makeup, because everything is time, time and money, time and money. You know, you never wanna be late. Um, because it, it will affect you. You know, you don't want to be the, that actor or actress that's always late. It, it's never never a good idea to have a dark cloud over your head, especially in this business. So again, this is the uh, the actual call sheet from 1999. Pretty much to date, still similar, similar layout from a call sheet today. And um, and then once you get on the set, uh, they'll have a three or four pages and little um, little paper, like a little uh, uh, script that they're called signs. So you can actually carry it around with you and, and look at your sides, you know, in case, you know, you forget your lines, you can you know, look over your lines and in the, in the honey wagon, or if you have the craft service table, you take them out, you look at your lines, you know, because you, when you're called, you got to be ready. So again, yeah, this is, it does bring back a lot of, a lot of really great memories, but yeah, that is a call sheet. Um, and every every TV show, movie, uh, commercials all have call sheets because you want to know what to do, where to go, and always be ready. So I know, like today, they have what they call the shooting schedule, so you know exactly how many days the production is, and they have a day of the day schedule, so you know who is working what days. Did you guys back then when they did the the cue the, the cue cards and I'm not cue card but they did the um call sheets rather when they did the call sheets did you guys have the day of the day schedule back then? Oh yeah, yeah. This is even sudden death. You know, I think in my storage I, I do have the sudden death and it's very similar to the one I laminated. I, I should go laminate those too. But yeah, nothing really has changed since uh, wow. 1994, you know, they they, they, they they come prepared, you know, because again, everything is 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 timed, you know, you don't want to you don't want to fall behind because if you fall behind and you go over time, that's more money, which is good for the actors, but you know, those producers, you know, they when they put up that money, they, they want to get, you know, they want to get their money's worth because they, they trust the uh, the cast that are, you know, going to perform at that professional level. And, uh, you know, uh, make the casting directors, producers look good. So you early on, man, you were basically booking everything on your own, like without representation. You didn't really have an agent. You really didn't have a management team. Like, how was it? How long was it in the business before you had an agent or you had a management team that were submitting you to projects? I went through about two or three agents. I think the first agent I got was back in... 2003 and when I presented everything I, I had because I showed them my my stunt reel 
um, you know, the, the fitness magazines. I thought when I moved to California, at all these movies under my belt, everything was going to be so easy. <laughs> it's not. So the agents I had, they really didn't have, they really didn't market me correct. Um, they were just pushing me in this one direction. And then when I would sit down and talk with them, you know, and I showed them some, uh, some footage, you know, that I've done, uh, acting real. They just wanted to try to push me in the one direction. It wasn't just for the stunt work, um, but it was weird. Then when I, you know, shied away from that one, I got another agent and it was still the same thing. So I'm thinking to myself, I don't really need an agent right now. You know, I just got to find my own work, build myself up. And then when it comes time, then maybe, uh, you know, I'll need an agent. But back then, I was stapling resumes to my headshot. I was milling them out. You know, I was dropping them off. Uh, I remember I walked into this one uh, casting director's door. It was open. <laughs> and I was like, you know, my name is Tatsun Afanti. Do you have like a minute? Can I show you something? And we popped in my, uh, uh, my reel. And she was like, wow, this is very impressive. Do you have representation? I said, no. I said, man, I pretty much got everything on my own. She goes, well, I suggest just keep doing what you're doing. And then when the time comes, maybe you will need an agent. But I'll keep this on file, you know. She goes, I'm so, you know, I'm grateful that you stopped in. But, yeah, back then I was handing out cards, um, just networking, going to these um, – you know, the, the premiere, sneaking into these parties, um, and just passing out cards and just rubbing elbows. I don't I don't suggest that you stop doing that, you know, young actors and actresses. You do that because you got to be your own agent and, 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 and publicist for when you're just starting out. I guess once you get to a certain level, then, you know, I'm not saying you can sit back and relax, but you'll have somebody that's pushing you out there and getting you out there where you need to be to show the talent that you have. Not just, you know, doing the stunts, you know, but doing do the acting, you know, acting, comedy, romance, drama, you know, everything. So you got to wear a lot of, you got to wear a lot of hats in this business. I never was really um, into writing or, Directing, I was just so focused back in the day of getting on set, doing what I need to do, um, and then, you know, go home. But what I should have been doing, I really should have been marketing myself more back then because when I was brought on to work with Jean-Claude, you know, I was like, yeah, maybe let me just do what I got to do. You know, I don't want to create any waves or, or stuff like that. But in hindsight, you know, what, what I know now, you know, Back then, I should have, I should have uh, been promoting myself uh, more. But you know, back then there was no uh, Facebook, there was no Instagram, there was no YouTube. Everything was just like in person, and you know, word of mouth, and and that's uh, yeah, things things have changed a lot uh, since then. So I know a lot of young actors, man, and actresses, I call everybody an actor because we're all performers, we're all actors. Um, they have the misconception that things are going to happen for them right away. They're going to get into the business, they're going to start booking right away. Now, 
explain to the people who are just in the business or want to get into the business how much dedication perseverance and focus it takes man to really get out there before you are able to book your first gig if you're just starting out have a plan b have a plan c and have a plan d it is so rare that anything will happen overnight um i thought it was going to happen for me because i had these movies that i did under my belt i had all these fitness magazines i did and i thought i was going to come out here and just present everything and i can sit back relax you have to have a thick skin in this business it is it's not all glamorous especially when you're first starting out so many rejections auditions i went on thought i nailed it and then you don't hear back and you think to yourself man what did i do wrong maybe it, it, it just wasn't the look it, it wasn't the right time it wasn't the right project so that really i got so numb to the rejections that i would go into an audition like well, if i get it i get it you know but it's it's good to have you know that 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 hope that you're gonna like knock their socks off and even if you do knock their socks off again it just not that time it's not you didn't do anything wrong it's it probably it's a project it's it's again maybe you're not the right look that they're looking for but you take every audition and you go to the next okay that one's done i didn't get it all right on to the next one so i i i i, I recommend that you know you, you just take every audition you don't get it as a learning experience because the more you're in front of the camera, the more you're auditioning, it's only going to help. Uh, but just be prepared for the rejection. It It's going to happen more, more than you want, but that's the name of the game. So how did like being coming from a military background, coming from an athletic background, you know, that requires a lot of and, and a lot of focus and a never stay die attitude. Like how much do you attribute that your background to being able to make it in the business? Well, especially with the stunts, you know, you have to have some kind of athletic background. Um, and the military helped out a lot. The, uh, I took, I, I took ballet back in 1988. That helped me with my flexibility. Mm -hmm. I know Jean-Claude, you know, took, uh, took, ballet too and 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 it works i mean just the the certain movements you do and i would always stretch out before i would go swimming um and it, it just helped me throughout my career just being flexible and and being an athlete all my life you know since i'm five years old you know football baseball basketball tennis bowling golf I come from a very athletic family. My uncles were great uh, athletes. My dad was a great athlete. My mom's dad was a professional boxer in the 30s. And uh, here's a story for you. So I got the best of best of, best. I got the best of both worlds 
as far as uh, coming from an athletic family. My mom's dad was a boxer in the 30s, New York. He was also a cab driver. So my mom told me this story. He, uh, he had a fight coming up. So I was told that he, uh, he picked up this uh, passenger and it was his last passenger of the day. So he, uh, he called my grandmother and said, okay, honey, you know, I have one more and I'll, and I'll be home. So he picked up the passenger, gets to the destination, and then bang, right in the back of the head. This is, the story is that he was asked to take a dive and he wouldn't. I still get goosebumps thinking, thinking about that story uh, of it was a hit. It, it was a hit on him. And because he wouldn't take a dive, you know, they, uh, they shot him, which was, uh, I think if he was still alive and, and, and if I had a chance to meet him, he probably would have got me at the boxing. Um, and like, the more I think about that, 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 that would have been, uh, I love boxing, love MMA. Uh, it, it would it would it would have fit right in with all the the athletic ability I have, and um, but yeah, that's a story I, I, I haven't told too many people. But uh, mm. I do get uh, my athletic ability from both sides, my mom's uh, side and my dad's side. And then you did a, another film where you were actually the stunt coordinator on. Um, I have I haven't heard of this one. Called Shepherd. So, you want to talk about Shepherd? Tell us what that is. Shepherd again, yeah. Again, my buddy Dave Shark Frelick. He uh, he was a coordinator on it, and he called me up one day and he goes, "Look, man, he goes, uh, I'm gonna need you to fill in for me for one day. Uh, are you interested uh, in, in coordinating uh, for the day?" I said, "I said, yeah. Well, what's uh, you know what's the scene?" He goes, "Oh, it's it's nothing crazy." All we're doing is uh, a little punch. I show this actor, you know, how to punch and, you know, sell it for the camera. And, uh, you know, a lot of actors are not very, well, I'm not saying, you know, a few actors, you know, they really don't have the coordination. So it was cool. Um, all I had to do was, and, and the key in, in these, uh, you know, fight scenes is selling the punch and um depending where the camera is and reaction so i had to uh, show uh show this one actor you know now i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna throw a punch at you you know i want you to react you know i said that and he was like i was like no no okay so i said okay you throw me a punch so that he would you know throw me a punch on you know i said that's how you you know you gotta sell it you know but maybe a couple of inches away from, you know, the actor's face, you know, and we had to put the camera a certain angle where, you know, you really can see it, you know, selling. So that was a little, that was my first, you know, stunt uh, coordinator, um, um, you know, project, but uh, it was cool. Again, you, know, you got to meet all these other actors and, uh, you know, they would come over to me and ask me, you know, questions. And it was cool. It was cool to, to, to teach them just simple, simple little things like throwing a punch, reacting. So the shepherd, yeah, it was a, it was a fun little project. 
So actually, I was a professional wrestler for nine years, and that's the same terminology that we use, selling. So you have to make it look real, believable for, you know, the audience. And same thing with them. You got to make it look real to the audience. Um, so, so explain some of that. Like, you know, how do you pull your punches? How do you know exactly where to come to your mark? I call your mark would stop without actually executing through say like a hard roundhouse kick without hitting the guy in the face it's all about rehearsing you, you, you rehearse until you can't rehearse anymore because when it's time to shoot i mean it, you've got to be perfect because you, you don't want to hit the other actor or actress you know uh we would rehearse for hours you know just to get a, a, a one kick or a one punch but some of these, you know, big, uh, big um, fight scenes, it takes days, you know, just to, to coordinate it, just to get down, get your timing down. And again, you know, uh, depending where the camera is, you know, that's where you, you, you move yourself, you move the actor, because the camera's there. So move a little bit, yeah, stay right there, stay right there. And then when you throw that punch in, you know, it looks perfect. So a lot of preparation a lot of the stunt coordinators will videotape it you know and then show it to uh the director or show it to uh you know like like for jean-claude you know the uh, stunt coordinator would go through a little scene and he would show oh, okay that's good yeah okay yeah that's good like that. yeah it's good and then you know um and then when, when, when it's time to shoot so I, I preparation is the key you know um you, you do it until you know, you can do it in your sleep. So you did another film called Cranium Intel, which you actually are getting ready to do the sequel part two now, Cranium Intel Magnetic Contamination. You want to talk about those films? Those are animated films. Um, the first one, all we did is uh, I did voiceovers. Mm -hmm. um, and I would go to the studio in Burbank and uh, the director gave me the lines, you know, and I had my video and just, you know, deliver the lines. And then they would take that, they would send it to the director. The director, I think, was in um, uh, on the East Coast. So we did all the uh, voiceovers here, and they would send it to him. And then he would, you know, do his thing and, uh, and do the animated. Uh, supposedly, two is going to happen. It's going to be the same thing don't really have to be, you know, on set. It's more of just the, uh, the voiceovers, but I think voiceovers, that's another interesting industry because that is probably the hardest, <laughs> the hardest job to get. Um, there's so much you have to do. You have to, you know, you got to make your CDs and, and, and you know, duplicate them. So it's expensive. Um, but then again, it, it's 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 about timing, luck, and uh, if uh, if the director likes your voice, you, you can you can make a good living on, on voiceovers. You know, voiceover actors and actresses, they make a good living. Um, that would be nice to wake up, put your hat on, throw on your shorts, go to the studio, do your voiceover, you get a check, you go home. That's a perfect job. Well, I think the perfect job is doing anything that you love, that you have a passion for, and 
you love what you do and do what you love. And that's why I say what we do, what I, what I do is not work because I wake up every morning and I look forward to going to do it, man. And there's a lot of people that can't say the same thing. We're blessed that way. Um, you did another movie, man. I have actually uh, some viewing to catch up on. Um, another film that escaped me, actually, called Beyond the Trophy with uh, my man Michael Madsen and my client Eric Roberts. I had no idea you worked with those guys on that film, man. How did that come about? Again, a similar um, situation where I didn't meet Eric or Madsen. All I knew, I, I was playing a... Um, a bartender that jumps over the bar and breaks up a fight. So it was one of those very short days. Uh, but again, you know, any job, you never know what can happen. So that was, um, I got that through a stunt coordinator that called me up that said, you know, we just need you to, um, you know, be behind the bar. When you see the fight, you know, you, you hop over the bar and you go break it up. Um, but again, yeah, Eric and, uh, and, and Madsen's another, uh, he's another great actor that has done a lot of films, been around the block. But yeah, the trophy was uh, another one that uh, was one of those really, really short days. But hey, you know, it was work. So to date, what do you say your best experience was not doing stunts, but as an actor? Like, I want to hear about your, so far, your best experience you've had acting. I'm going to have to say it's the rideshare killer because it was my biggest role. Um, and I'll never forget the day I was, I was on the couch when he called me up. Hey, I got this film. Uh, you play a killer. I said, really? Oh, yeah, Eric Roberts. Whoa, I'm in. But, you know, just... Uh, because I like that, I like that dialogue. And again, it was a time where I was still trying to transition, getting away from the stunts, and to get you know my name and face out there as an actor, and not just you know a photo double or a stunt double. So I would say uh, the the Reichert Killer, and it's a good film. You know, it came out. Uh, you know, it's on Amazon and Tubi. Um, so that experience there was. Whoop, whoop, probably uh, to the top so far. So I know we talked about acting school before, I think on one of the earlier episodes, and when you came to Hollywood or California in 1999, you started training with Bobby Chance, his acting school. Um, my question is, did you learn more as an actor through acting school, or did you learn more actually being on set, learning firsthand? Like, what do you attribute to to your success in acting the best acting class is being on set yeah you can go to acting schools and, and you know you know act scenes out but for me just being on the set knowing what to expect and just experiencing what it's all about mm -hmm. acting classes are aren't good but acting classes are great the more you act the better you know you become but for me, being on set was was the best acting class for me. Uh, watching and listening to the uh, the director, direct the actors, actresses, you know, don't upstage him. Just a little lingo like that, you know, check the gate, you know. Again, kids today, kids today don't know what check the gate is. Now it's all chips and, and, and SIM cards. But 
for me, just being on set, learning um, from poof, Roger Moore and all the all these great actors, uh, uh, you know what they're doing and watching them, um, just uh, li them listening because even though they've been in the business for years and years, the director is is the captain. So whatever the director says, you know, you got to do unless you have a better idea, which is rare, but acting classes are great. Bobby Chance, I studied with Leo Rossi and um, Steve Schneider. And then uh, I just stopped. And then I just, uh, you know, because I've pretty much seen it all from all those films I've done. Um, maybe one day I will go back to it, but I think right now I'm just more focused on, you know, getting getting the work now and uh, um, capitalizing on what I know and, and, you know, what I've done. Well, to me personally, my favorite dramatic role that you've had to date was in a short film called A Reason to Live. I think that had really showed your dimension as an actor like there's different levels to acting um i don't know what you feel about that experience but i love that role you had in the film i think it showed your dramatic range yeah reason to live um did that for free because i needed footage and when they sent me the script i was like wow this is really deep because what it is is um my wife and kids were killed and prior to that, my dad died. So in the scene, I'm out for revenge. I'm out for revenge because I see uh, the guys that actually killed my family at a park. I'm at a park bench and I see them and I'm thinking, so what do I do? I see them over there and they're, they're, they're jogging around and they stop and I just, I get up from the bench, I go over, I have a knife and you know, I do the same thing to them and then I come back and when I sit back, I got to think about, you know, um, what they've done, what I've done. And then at the end, you know, I take my own life. So that, that was a interesting film for me because I had to think of really sad, sad uh, episodes. I would, you know, my, my pet's dying and that's where the tears came out. So that was a, that was a powerful uh, part for me. It's actually on YouTube too, A Reason to Live. And then you did one I thought had a lot of promise to it. I'm not exactly sure what happened to it, but it was, I think it was meant to be a series or it was a mini series called Champion Road, the series. You remember that project? Yeah, Champion Road. Yeah, that was, uh, it was a, a TV series. I play the character of Connor. Again, there was another really cool um, uh, scene because uh, when I was talking to the girl, you know, it, it was a very serious, serious conversation. So, uh, yeah, actors are, are interesting people. Yeah. You got to find, you know, you got to find that place, whether it just happened or way back in the day to get you in that mindset, to be ready for that, uh, for the scene and the, uh, yeah, Champion Road. That was a that was a nice little uh, project too. Mm -hmm. So we got about four minutes left. Um, any words of inspiration, man, to people that want to get into our business um, that are starting out, finding a hard way to navigate through the industry? I mean, any any words of inspiration you can give? I would say try to get as much uh, background work as you can. 
so you actually can get a sense of what the business is. It's a lot of, you know, hurry up and wait, a lot of sitting around. Um, it's not all glamorous like people think. I would, uh, if you just saw, you know, you know, I would recommend, you know, taking acting classes, um, you know, act with your friends. Because when I was in high school, I was a president of our drama club and it, it just, it was so much fun. So I would recommend, you know, if it's what you really want to do, um, again, that, that thick skin, let it grow, let it grow, let it grow. Cause there's going to be a lot of, a lot of rejection. Um, just stay focused. And, uh, if it's, if it's your dream, pursue it because again, you never know. It's all about timing and luck. And I think recognizing opportunity when it presents itself and taking hold of that opportunity and utilizing that opportunity to your advantage is a big, a big thing in this industry also. Correct. Mm -hmm. So on that, ladies and gentlemen, this is the end of episode number four of Todd Sinofante, T-O-double-D. Do you have any departing words? T-O-double-D, out, train hard, think of positive, and have fun. And on that, we'll see you next time. Peace out.